Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Well, welcome in, everybody, to a very special edition here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed. I wish it was a better circumstance. I'm TJ Reeves, by the way, that we were coming your way. Uh, But with the news on Thursday night that one of the iconic college basketball voices in terms of either play-by-play or analysts on television, really for the last, I think it's fair to say, 50 years of college basketball on TV in Billy Packer had passed away. Uh, We felt it only appropriate to do something here on the podcast and get some insight. So I'm going to enlist some good help uh, here uh, for that to remember Billy Packer, his long career. uh, Amazing how uh, he just became intertwined, not only with the game of college basketball, but with its biggest event with the final four. So we're going to get into that. Thank you for finding this podcast this special podcast, however you found it, a social media link through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we appreciate that. And let me welcome in. You hear this voice. He and I have been talking a bunch the last two days. I don't know if Phil DeMont Mullen is sick of me yet. He'll stop returning my call or my text message if he is, I think. But, Phil, it is good to be back with you because we've been talking off the air. We've been doing some other stuff. You guys have done a great job with announcer schedules, the podcast, you and Mike Gill. I was a guest with you guys telling a Super Bowl travel story. Now here we are. Are you sick of me yet? Am I okay? Am I still in the good graces with Phil from announcer schedule? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing great, um, TJ. (laughs) Absolutely. Still in the good graces and, you know, looking forward to this conversation about one of the giants of uh, sports broadcasting in, in my viewpoint. 
Jim Nance basically said that uh, in an interview with CBS this morning. Uh, Nance getting ready to call the AFC Championship game in Kansas City for the Chiefs and the Packers was reached by them to talk about that subject, uh, but also to talk about Billy Packer. So pa- Packer had been ill, uh, had been out of the limelight, had been out of the spotlight for several years. We cannot overstate, pick it up from here, how big a deal this guy was when it came to college basketball at the national level on TV, and in particular, the Final Four. Phil, pick it up. Yeah, so, I mean, first, just the the raw numbers of it all, 34 Final Fours Billy Packer called, and that was a continuous stretch from 1975 to 2008 with both NBC and then, of course, CBS. He was a huge presence in the ACC basketball community and in Tobacco Road and all that working with Raycom sports during the, a lot of the regular season action. Uh, Tim Brandt was his uh, partner for a lot of those games. And yeah, you know, so many iconic games, huge final fours that Packer was on the call and anybody sort of our generation, you know, TJ, we, we grew up with them. You know, the, it just resonates so much as far as the, the huge games that not only did I watch once, I used to tape a lot of these Final Four mm-hmm. games of the 80s on VHS and watch them over and over and over again. So just just an amazing legacy, um, you know, wrote the book in a lot of ways as far as college basketball analyst goes. Uh, certainly had a style all of his own, wasn't afraid to, to call people out and be hard on the officials and things like that during the action. But really just a, a big, big loss for the for the industry. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just kind of amazing to reflect back on the games he worked, the announcers he was paired with and just you know all the the places he was and then us by proxy as his audience we were there with him yeah we're going to start going over some of that now he actually began on nbc i think a lot of the a lot of the fans that are kind of our contemporaries or maybe slightly younger than us may not have remembered that that's where he began with dick enberg and then eventually al mcguire joined them after al mcguire uh retired for the last couple of years that nbc had the ncaa tournament and had the exclusive uh, coverage of the Final Four. Then CBS got that away uh, for 1982. Packer came along with that deal, as you mentioned. But you start going over uh, different games. Like John Wooden's final game is is Billy Packer calling the national championship game with Dick Enberg. Indiana's perfect season the next year, and I'll have a fun story about that. I think I'm going to tell it with you, Phil, and for the audience here in a few moments. Billy Packer told the story about Indiana's perfect season, 1976, is the next year. But then you start moving forward, and I'm not going to monopolize this. I want you to pick up on it, but the Villanova stunning upset of Georgetown. Is Billy on the call with Brent Musburger? Keith Smart hitting the winning shot in the Superdome for Indiana over Syracuse. Is Musburger on the call with Billy Packer right there? Uh, All of the above. I mean, UNLV, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up, by the way, literally. Uh, UNLV, 40-plus game win streak, trying to defend the national title, lost in the Final Four to Duke. That's Jim Nance and Billy Packer on the call. Jim Nance's first Final Four in 91. Uh, Game after game that we remember, he was there. And I probably left a couple out that you want to go to, but he was there intertwined with all these amazing moments that helped grow the NCAA tournament and march into the Goliath it's become, especially on TV. Yeah, I, I was looking back and just kind of doing it chronologically. And, you know, he joins NBC in 1974, 
very quickly after he started broadcasting just a couple of years ago and has quickly elevated to, you know, analyst role at the final four. That first one, by the way, uh, his partner actually wasn't Dick Enberg in 1975 at the San Diego Sports Arena. That was John Wooden's final game. Wooden wins his 10th uh, national title with UCLA with the win over Kentucky. His broadcast partner in that one, Kirk Gowdy. Yes. Who, um, you know, obviously an, another absolute legend. And you mentioned the, the Indiana perfect season in 76 and 77 at the Omni in Atlanta, Marquette versus North Carolina. This was Al McGuire's final game as a coach. And Marquette wins the national title immediately following the national championship. McGuire retires. And then the very next year joins the booth and they be, become the, you know, what's become iconic three-man booth of, of, um, of Enberg, Packer, and McGuire. That McGuire game, that Marquette, North Carolina game, it was Gowdy, Enberg, and Packer, believe it or not. So kind of two play-by-play guys sharing a booth with Packer. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, it's a little unorthodox there, but um, we move forward with the Enberg, Packer, McGuire trio, that first championship game for them if you remember goose givens in kentucky in 1978 the win over duke in the checker dome that was the first final four enberg packer and mcguire then they kept on going and of course 1979 salt lake city bird versus magic enberg packer mcguire bryant gumbel as the host in those so before we move to the 80s tj um you know what of those stood out for you well, and and I got to uh, congratulate you on two pickups on Kurt Gowdy. And also I left out, I am as big a Larry Bird fan all time as there is anywhere. I've shared this on numerous occasions. I grew up in Tennessee, in Texas, eventually in, in Tampa, Florida. None of those places had NBA teams. So you gravitated to like the Boston Celtics or the LA Lakers. Uh, it seemed like if you didn't have a team around you because of all of that, but I gravitated to Bird long before that so the fact that i neglected and you picked me up that he did the bird magic that that to this day is still the highest rated college basketball game ever iconic uh in uh salt lake city that those guys did and and irvin magic johnson and michigan state till to this day still to this day michigan state uh and and irvin lords over indiana state larry bird and all the fan bases uh go back and forth about that 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 game though really set into motion the coverage of the tournament, the coverage of the tournament in live settings on on weeknights on TV, something that had been unheard, unheard of, not just on weekends, but on weeknights, and eventually set the table about 15 years later for the whole tournament to be on TV. All the rounds of the tournament was that bird magic championship game with Billy Packer uh on the call there with Al McGuire. And uh, and with Dick Enberg, uh, amazing. How about this? I don't know if you knew this. Larry Bird had not been on national television one time playing at Indiana State that entire year until the NCAA tournament. Nobody really saw him nationwide. If you were living regionally in Indiana or in the Missouri Valley, you might have seen a stray game on TV, but it was not national TV. But uh, just your thought on how all of that came together and eventually set the table for all the tournament games to be on TV and the hundreds of millions of dollars and the millions and millions and millions of people that watch all this now every March. Yeah, that was the game that propelled it all forward into ultimately, you know, the the behemoth that March Madness is today. It also, you could argue, you know, a historian could argue that it's what propelled the NBA forward too. 
because it launched Bird and Magic's career. And then therefore that Lakers Celtics rivalry, Michael Jordan comes along, rest is history. So just a huge moment in sports history. And the NBA could not get on live network TV during the week. They could get on on the weekend on CBS until Bird and Magic. You're exactly right. It, It just was a game changer. What started in the college basketball national championship absolutely became a game changer for the NBA. Back to Packer. This is what you do. You do a fantastic job with Mike. Um, tell me more about him as an announcer, because you're right. He, he would not hold back on criticism uh, to the point that he would get blowback. He would get pushback. And, and he was old school on firing back at people, uh, firing back even at enemies. That's how Billy Packer was. Pick up on that point as yeah. an analyst. I've se- I've I've seen a couple of people um, pontificate in the in the the wake of this news that it would be interesting to see Billy Packer today in the Twitter age, you know, with the social media and everything, because he was kind of an explosive personality at times as far as some of the things he would say. You know, watching some of the old footage of the, of the games of his calls, I mean, he was so hard on the refs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like he had no, he and he would really um, take issue with poor officiating, and also would be a champion of rule changes and things like that, and probably influence some of those as far as you know just. Kind of moving the needle in certain directions when it came to you know the the game of college basketball, but yeah, you know certainly someone who did not mince words and wasn't uh, afraid to to let it be known. But you know a excellent um, you know just X's and O's guy too. I mean he knew the game inside and out and was very concise. And I think just a, a all in all to me a, just a very effective analyst in in kind of the classic variety. Yeah, and again, uh, a long story career intertwined with the Final Four. Phil DeMont-Mollen doing a great job with me going over the historical perspective of Billy Packer, uh, who, again, uh, he had a big impact. I knew this, too, from a lot of people that have always talked about this at CBS. He had a big impact on setting their schedule. Billy was, in a lot of ways, a broker at times uh, in terms of teams playing each other out of conference and getting an opportunity to play on CBS Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of what ESPN eventually became on, Hey, we'll be the matchmaker. We'll create made for TV games with conferences and with schools, you know, kind of if the fans in the modern day wonder, okay, well, how did, uh, you know, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and Michigan state come together in this champions classic. I believe that's what they call it every year. How did that come together over the last decade? Well, the idea was born previously, on these kind of matchups being brokered. And Billy Packer was one of those guys brokering those matchups, in particular ACC schools against others out of the conference and get you on national TV on CBS. He was kind of a go-between, a conduit, uh, as well as being the analyst. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I don't know how many people do realize he was that involved. Yeah, and that's fascinating, too, because I've read a few things that, you know, after his broadcasting career, he's really taken on business. And he talked about the art of the business deal and how that, you know, kind of stokes the same fire that he used to enjoy being around the game of basketball and that kind of thing. So kind of interesting that he was, you know, already doing that naturally, you know, back in the day as a as a broadcaster. But um, whenever you're ready, TJ, I've got plenty more uh, highlights to go through here if we can squeeze them in. Give me a couple more on Billy Packer. And then I've got a fun story, too, on the final four as it involves Indiana going for an unbeaten season in Bobby Knight. Give me something, Phil DeMont Mullen. Sure. Well, 1981, if you remember that one, Indiana and North Carolina at the Philadelphia Spectrum, you know, the big Isaiah Thomas game with with Bobby Knight winning the championship. That broadcast went off 
later in the evening after President Ronald Reagan was shot that mm -hmm. afternoon. And there was a ton of uncertainty whether the game would even be played that night, whether NBC was going to be able to cover it because, you know, uh, the news coverage was preempting everything. And here was McGuire and Packer and Enberg wondering what they're supposed to be doing. And I read a couple um, anecdotes as far as that situation. And the star that day was Bryant Gumble, who was in that host role mm -hmm. for NBC and really was the, the perfect go between between the news guys back of the network and himself. Again, we we've talked about this before, TJ, you know, different age back then, you know, you weren't getting updates on social media. There wasn't even, you know, much cable coverage or anything like that so everybody was glued to the, to the the big networks you know to see you know what the news was while you know the president of the united states is in surgery and things like that so that's a notable one so i can share with you also on that a couple things first of all you and i are contemporaries so at that time in 1981 i'm an 11 year old tj i'm in tennessee with my family i still remember this like it happened five minutes ago you ready for this story we're out on the playground uh, in the afternoon in fifth grade, elementary school, my teacher uh, wanted me and a fellow student to go to the cafeteria to get something for her while we were on the playground. We're in the cafeteria. I remember this again, like it just happened. We're in the cafeteria and the radio is on and the radio says, repeating the top story, there has been an assassination attempt involving the president. And the female student who I knew, uh, she was in my class, I can't even remember who it was, looks at me and says, what does assassination mean? And I said to her, that means they tried to kill him. I know I knew what that word meant. So I went back on the playground and I said to the teacher, Miss Kaiser, I remember Miss Kaiser, Miss Kaiser, someone tried to assassinate the president. And she looked at me and she said, TJ Reeves, are you telling me the truth? And I said, I heard it on the radio. And the girl says, I heard it too. He's telling the truth. So she said, okay, we've got to call everybody in because at this time, you know, school, you didn't know what was going on. It was a much different time. You didn't know what the news and information was. I remember sitting for the rest of the school day for like an hour or two because the assassination attempt, Phil, happened in the middle of the day at like a lunch meeting in Washington, D.C. He was coming out of a lunch meeting at a, at a hotel uh, in Washington, D.C. We sat and watched TV in the classroom for another couple of hours on whether President Reagan was alive, dead, in surgery, whatever. A couple of more nuggets on that. There was debate about whether they were going to play the basketball game. They didn't hold the Academy Awards. The Academy Awards were to be televised that night in Hollywood uh, for the Oscars. They didn't do that that night. They postponed it in Hollywood. The basketball game played on. I still remember as a little TJ watching that night. They came on the air with Bryant Gumbel talking about it. They stood and had a moment of uh, of silence for the, the shooting victims. This was in Philadelphia, uh, just uh, north of Washington, D.C., where the game, uh, where the assassination attempt had happened. The game was being played in Philadelphia. I remember all of that with Billy Packer, Al McGuire, and Dick Enberg and Bryant Gumbel. Wow. And to think that that's 42 years ago, incredible that all that took place. And that's the final NCAA tournament for NBC and the final final four for NBC in the Nuggets. That's right. So after that final four, CBS acquires the rights to the NCAA tournament and the final four. Packer leaves that 
you know, trio of McGuire, Enberg, and Packer for CBS, joins Gary Bender on the call for the, the next few years. And this next one, I've got a, a personal story with the, the 1982 New Orleans Superdome uh, matchup between Georgetown, North Carolina, the famous, you know, uh, Michael Jordan shot and, and so forth. This was Packers' first Final Four with CBS, Gary Bender on play-by-play, Musburger, Brent Musburger as the studio host. And I was a nine-year-old version of myself on a spring (laughs) break trip with the family, of all places, to New Orleans. Oh, wow. So we were in New Orleans the same weekend as the Final Four, so it's just a rocking scene, and my eyes are wide open. But I'm already a hardcore uh, basketball fan at that young age, and – Instead of going out to to dinner and walking the French Quarter with my parents, I convinced them to let me stay in the hotel room, order room service, a fried oyster po' boy. I recall the meal and watch the game while keeping my little notebook of stats of North Carolina and Georgetown, Dean Smith versus John Thompson, and then the Jordan shot. And I remember the next morning walking around the French Quarter and eyes wide open again and seeing those, you know, North Carolina fans walking the streets and that kind of thing. And, you know, the rest is history for me personally, because like that one talking about etched in my memory, oh my like this gosh. was like the launch of me, you know, the, the rest of my life in, in terms of a career, you know, they really got me started with it where I was like, okay, I can watch a broadcast. I can keep some statistics on the side and I can make all this work. You know, like I did that right there in, in new Orleans at, at some hotel, the Hilton or, or something. So that was 82, 83, that huge Jim Valvano NC State upset over Houston at the yes. pit in Albuquerque. That's Gary Bender and Packer on that one. And then a couple years later, 85, Rupp Arena, Raleigh Massimino, Nova over Georgetown. That's Packers' first game with Brent Musburger as his play-by-play man. And then moving forward a couple years, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the Keith Smart game and so forth. Do want to, you know, take it to 1991, Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, the first game with Jim Nance as the play-by-play announcer working alongside Billy Packer, Leslie Visser, James Brown reporting. And that's the year that that there was that sensational Duke UNLV rematch in the semifinals you know, followed by Duke winning the title with that that win over Kansas. And then Nance and Packer go on 18 years together, all the way up until 2008, the Alamo Dome, the final, final four oh. for, for Packer, replaced the next year with Clark Kellogg. And I know that game is memorable for you, probably In not a bad in the best way. way. In a bad you know? way. Oh. And me being a Miami guy, you know, I got to to, to uh, have a close-up, um, you know, a seat to see Mario Chalmers and all his, um, you know, uh, prowess as a member of the Miami Heat. So I was always kind of a Chalmers guy. So I, I would look back at this game fondly because it was such a great part of his career. But I see you shaking your head, TJ. Yeah, I was a Memphis guy, a Memphis State guy, uh, and Memphis playing Kansas is Billy Packer's last Final Four game. He worked games after that, but that's his last game in the national title. And Mario Chalmers, you don't know this, Phil, Mario Chalmers is about 25 feet in front of me. I'm on a deadline on the second press row when he let that ball go uh, for Kansas to tie the game, go into overtime, and win. So Billy Packer's final Final Four, final national championship game is an overtime win by Bill Self and Kansas at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. 
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. And we should make mention of this again while we're talking about him and we're reminiscing about all of this. When you think of the great analysts and the great broadcasters, none of them do 20 in a row. None of them do 15 in a row of the Super Bowl or of the World Series. The closest thing is probably Tim McCarver, and you have this. Tim McCarver, for probably 15 years or more, did every World Series, maybe 20. Maybe he got to 20 from ABC to Fox, working with Joe Buck. But nobody got to 34, not John Madden, not, not anybody else, working the Stanley Cup Finals, working the NBA Finals. Well, nobody, nobody got you know to what? 34. Well, no, that that's a, a, a enormous number. But you know who's actually kind of sneaking up on it a little bit is Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. Interesting. They've got a long streak going. I forget exactly what the number is, but they've been but doing can, a lot longer. Than I guarantee think. you, they're not even at twenty yet. They got to no, go for probably, another. I think 15 I want to say eighteen, years. nineteen, maybe. And yeah. is it and is it consecutive? Because didn't Mark Jackson leave? Jackson I left. I think, think it's in consecutive the middle of for it, Van Gundy. Consecutive yeah. for Van Gundy. But think about doing it for 20 years in a row, which, again, McCarver would have been somewhere around that. But Billy Packer did it for 34 years, yeah. 1975 uh, to 2008. So we're spending a lot of time on this. we got to go in a couple of moments. Uh, other thoughts about this man being intertwined with the sport of uh, of college basketball and its biggest – I believe it's fair to say that he being part of those final four calls with Enberg and, and Bender and Brent Musburger and eventually Nance, the tournament is what it is now and has become in the 2000s because of that coverage, because of those guys calling the game, the tens of millions that were always watching. I don't think we can overstate that it was that it was that big of a, a um I guess, precursor to what it has now become and how it's everywhere. These were the guys calling it, and Billy Packer was always the analyst. You can't get yep. past it. Big, big event feel for for all those. You know, the production was, was, was outstanding as well. And, you know, one final note, of course, you know, most people probably have heard the news that this coming Final Four in 2023 will be Jim Nance's last one. And... This is interesting. When Jim Nance steps down, talking about a consecutive run, if you put Packer and Nance together, because mm -hmm. Nance has been there, you know, since he he joined uh, Packer, you know, in the early 90s, it would be 50 seasons on the dot mm. that either Packer or Nance has been on the call for a final four on That's network incredible. television. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. All right. Quick story, because I promised this. I'm now going to pay it off. Packer told this story when the final four came to Tampa Bay, where I reside in West Central Florida, came to St. Petersburg. That eventually was Khalid Alamine and UConn defeating Duke in the championship game uh, in the upset for Jim Calhoun's first national title at UConn. Uh, I'm remembering correctly Elton Brand and I want to say Shane Battier for Duke and Coach K didn't get it done in the title game. In any event, uh, leading up to that final four, Billy Packer was the MC of a huge final four event, a final four breakfast and told a tremendous self-deprecating story. He said, let me tell you about the gravity of this event and the magnitude of this event. 
and how much uh, it, it really dawned on me right away what a big deal it was. As he mentioned, as you mentioned, he worked John Wooden's final game. He said, so I worked that in 1975. Well, now we come back around, and it's Indiana against Michigan for the national title with Indiana going for a perfect season, an unbeaten season. And he said, this is a true story, not exaggerated, not made up. He goes, we're getting ready to call the game uh, for Indiana and Michigan. And suddenly, about 10 minutes before game time, the Indiana sports information person is right next to me and says, Bobby wants to see you. And he says, what? He says, Bobby wants to see you over at the bench. And he says, okay. So he puts down his headset off the NBC broadcast and comes over. Uh, to Bobby Knight with the plaid jacket. Now, years later, Knight would have the sweater or have the collar shirt. This was still the plaid jacket, Bobby Knight. So Bobby Knight in the plaid jacket is over on the Indiana bench. Packer walks over, as he describes it, and Bobby Knight doesn't even turn around to look at him. He's still squatting down, looking at his team on the on the, on the the bench, looking at, at talking to people on the bench. And Packer comes over and says, Hey, Coach, um, uh, I heard you wanted to see me. And Packer says in the speech, in my own mind, I'm thinking, I've worked a Final Four. He's not been in a Final Four. Maybe he wants some advice about the national title game before it's about to be played. He goes, that's that's me thinking that. <laughs> he goes, so I'm standing there, and I, and I say, Coach, uh, yeah, what, what do you need? And he says, Packer? He says, yes, Coach. He says, I just have one question for you tonight. And he says, yes, Bobby. He says, where the hell is the ACC tonight? And Packer wow. about fell over and now <laughs> turns around, makes a U-turn and comes back over, I guess, to Dick Enberg and Kurt Gowdy uh, in that moment, or may have just been Gowdy. And uh, the NBC people, what did he want? What did he want? And he says uh, he wants to know where the ACC is tonight. And they cracked up. They bursted out wow. laughing. And this is 10 minutes before the game, five or 10 minutes before the game uh, that they're about to play Michigan. So Packer told that story. The uh, The crowd uh, in, in attendance uh, roared on that. And I've heard him tell other stories about big moments and being around, you know, Massimino for the upset by uh, by Villanova or different you know moments when Knight won it again in the Superdome with Keith with Keith Smart or Shashevsky getting the win over uh, Tarkanian and UNLV and eventually winning a first national title those those are things that you take with you and Packer was around for all of the Michael Jordan shot Phil DeMont Mullen was in the Big Easy for Michael Jordan shot and Billy Packer was there on the call with Gary Bender Wow. Yeah, just a, an amazing um, arc in terms of you know the games and the, the moments he was at. And, uh, you know, do, do want to, you know, mention once again that Raycom Sports was quite a quite an operation, too, for many, many years, you know, and a lot of great announcers came through there. And, you know, Packer was a big part of that that team also, you know, um, in ACC country. Yes, if you were in and around regionally ACC, they were always on in, in the over-the-air markets and long before – ESPN became the Goliath in particular of televising the ACC games on all their platforms. You were going to get a Duke Carolina game or uh, an NC state Duke game or a Duke wake forest always seemed to involve Duke or, or, uh, or North Carolina. You were going to get one of those games on the regional over the air TV package. And a lot of the time it was Billy Packer during it, doing it during the week. Again, CBS uh, even into the 90s and into the early 2000s, they, they were not doing games on network TV. There was no CBS Sports Network. So Packer was always working those ACC games on TV for decades during the week and then doing CBS Network on the weekends, network TV broadcast on the weekends. Anything else in summation that we haven't already said? You and I have gone for a little while about the storied career of Billy Packer, 82 years of age, 
long, four-decade-long career of broadcasting college basketball. Um, anything else, Phil DeMott? Well, you know, I just want to, you know, um, you know, put my my well wishes and condolences out to all that are, you know, worked with Billy over the years. As as you know, TJ, you know, when you you work in this industry and you work broadcast together and that stuff, you become very very close with with the people you work with. And so I'm sure a lot of people, you know, their hearts are a little heavy right now. And then also his son, Mark Packer, you know, who has, you know, a broadcasting career of his own, you know, a part of the ACC network. Yes. You know, um, uh, currently he's the host of a show called ACC PM on the ACC network. And, you know, um, Mark, I know, um, you know, I think he announced the news, you know, on behalf of the family, um, you know, late last night. So, you know, thoughts with, with the Packer family and, and everybody that worked with him over the years, but one of the all-time, you know, biggest figures in, you know, what we talk about all the time, sports broadcasting. Yeah, no doubt uh, about that. And Mark has done a, a, a distinguished job, a long career, does a great job on radio and on the ACC network coverage uh, as a broadcaster, as a host. I know Brant Packer has also been involved uh, in, in broadcast and broadcasting of the games, another one of his sons. Uh, with all the Packers and Billy, this should be uh, illuminated too. Billy took care of his wife when his wife was ailing for the better part of 15 years until her death uh, as well. And said it was his, it was his life's calling and his life's mission to be there for his wife and take care of his wife uh, in the latter years of her life. Um, and again, you can't say enough about that. I, I wanted to get one more in Billy Packer doing the regional. And I don't know that this went everywhere, but it was on in the South, the regional coverage of the putt-putt championships with guys making putts on the putt-putt championship that were everywhere, uh, all on syndicated TV. There's Billy Packer from the final four calling some guy trying to read a little putt on the putt-putt course for $5,000 or whatever they would win in the putt-putt championship. There so was a little... strange little point in sports television history where that event mattered. <laughs> and Billy Packer was there. And it wouldn't surprise me if he put the deal together. I don't know that for a fact, but it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't there for part of that. Uh, and again, Phil, you do such a great job breaking down announcers, who does it well, the impact of all of it on the Announcer Schedules podcast. I know you've got your Twitter handle as well. You and Mike do a great job with that. This was just a must-have. I had to have you here to, to reminisce some more. Anything else? Any final thing that we maybe left out about Billy Packer, or are we good? No, I think... I think we we covered um, you know most of the the big highlights that's for sure just some final numbers for people to chew on as far as his play by play partners over the years Jim Nance eighteen years in, in the Final Four booth with with Packer Musburger six Enberg five Gary Bender three and Kurt Gowdy two mm. Billy so Packer what a list. A tremendous list, a 45-year career total, not just in the Final Four, but in the uh, in the years before and after of broadcasting games uh, as well. Synonymous with college basketball's biggest event, uh, for sure, for so long. Phil DeMont Mullen, thank you. I appreciate you reminiscing with me, my friend. Thank you, TJ. A pleasure as we continue remembering Billy Packer on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed. I'm merely TJ Reeves to welcome in Tim Brando, who for so many years was a colleague of Billy's at CBS. You now know Tim from his work uh, with Fox Sports in particular. Tim has been gracious to me professionally, personally, uh, for really going on 20 plus years. He did not hesitate when I reached out to say, absolutely, I want to talk more about the legacy and getting to work with Billy Packer. So thank you, first of all, up front, because I know you're being bothered a bunch 
uh, on this. We've said a lot before you've come on here. You're going to say a lot. Let me just begin with this. How should Billy Packer be remembered and his importance for the game of college bas- basketball and the significance of the Final Four? How should that be remembered, Tim? He's the greatest contributor to the modern-day college game uh, being being as popular as it is on television. If you think about it, and, and I know a lot of fans would say, well, okay, it's not like it used to be in the 80s and 90s. Well, nothing is, okay? Nothing is. First and foremost, we got a gazillion more networks and channels, and uh, all of them are doing what at this time of year? They're carrying tons of college basketball. And if you added up the audiences to all of those games, regardless who the carrier is, it could be ESPN or ESPN2 or the news or, or whatever, or it could be Fox or FS1 or FS2 or whatever, okay, uh, and CBS Sports Network, CBS, and so on. The reality is uh, Billy was the curator of the sport. He wasn't just uh, a broadcast personality at all. Uh, and he may be the only broadcast analyst um, that was also a broadcast businessman for the sport. He was needed by the networks, both NBC and CBS, when he when he came up and television finally grasped, okay, that college basketball was a national entity. And that didn't happen until 1968. I was 12 years old then, okay? Okay. Uh, before Eddie Einhorn put the game of the century on syndicated TBS in 1968, we just had the anniversary for that last week. Okay. Uh, until that happened, networks were not interested in college basketball, uh, only syndicators. And Billy had already been working in the ACC for CD Chesley, who put ACC's game of the week on television. And that was the first conference network that existed for regionalized television. Well, Eddie Einhorn had this success in 1968 with his company TVS that was uh, based out of New York. And with the success and the rating that that game got, he got over 150 stations, I think, to carry that game. Those were big network stations across the country to see Lou Alcindor and the Big E, Elvin Hayes, play in one versus two at the Astrodome until that happened, uh, the networks were not carrying games on weekends of college basketball. And when TBS was born to network TV, it made a television deal as a packager for NBC to put regional games on in every corridor of the country. If you lived in the deep South, it was the sec with John Ferguson and, and, uh, the original Joe Dean string music. If you were in, in the ACC, you got Thacker and Packer. Uh, if you were in the, the Pac-12, you got um, Tommy Hawkins and Dick Enberg. You know, you got these guys that were based in certain places in the country, and there were games on that were syndicated throughout the country. Billy was the forerunner of that uh, with Chesley, and, and he helped uh, organize the schedules for the ACC as a result. So when NBC took control of – the final four with the, the, the contract they had with TVS and they started airing for the first time in the early seventies, the final four in those days, it was Kurt Gowdy, 
uh, that was doing play-by-play. Later, it was Dick Enberg. Um, it was probably two, two and a half years in where they realized Billy Packard can really help us, and we need to have him, and he can help in, in, in ways beyond just being a great broadcaster of the game. So he helped put together these made-for-TV matchups that were, uh, you know, interconference, you know, not just conference games, but made-for-TV matchups where Maryland might play UCLA, you know, at, at Cole Fieldhouse. That's a game that's not normally going to be played during the conference season. But Billy would swing a deal with Lefty Drizel and Wooden. Those Notre Dame games with Digger breaking John, those were, you know, Billy helped put those games on. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't just a, a broadcaster in front of the camera. He was a deal maker behind the camera that the suits in our business would yield power to because they knew that he had contacts they didn't have. And that may be the only example in our profession of an analyst uh, that's on TV having that kind of swagger behind the scenes to make things happen. That'll never happen again in a lot of ways because the egos of the suits, of the of the businessmen, they don't want any broadcaster to have that kind of power. Of course. But Billy had it. But Billy had it. And, uh, and that transferred over when CBS uh, bid for the NCAA tournament and got it from NBC in 1982. Uh, their, their team knew they had to have Billy. And, and, and Billy in those early years, not in his later years so much, but in his, the early years of CBS's coverage of the NCAA tournament uh, and, and their regular season games, Billy was doing the same thing at CBS that he was at NBC. That that tailed off towards uh, you know the last twenty years or so years of his career there, but um, and, and all that time he was still uh, an independent businessman, you know, up in North Carolina, somewhere between Boone and 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 Charlotte, and he was uh, swinging land deals and uh, looking to buy companies. He, he he got a deal with the Putt Putt Company to syndicate. We were just uh, joking. We were television. just joking about yeah. watching Putt Putt on syndicated yeah. TV, yeah. and I said and Billy had Billy. to be Billy had to be behind it in addition to broadcasting <laughs> it. And absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Uh, it he, was. He was he, he was incredible. And uh, uh, for me, uh, as like I said, a young broadcaster uh, that aspired to be, uh, you know, a potential next generation Dick Inberg. Uh, and to maybe have an opportunity one day to to be by the side of of either Billy Packer or Al McGuire, which I was fortunate enough to to accomplish all three. Uh, not so much that I became the next generation Dick Inberg, but I learned from Dick, was tutored by Dick, and uh, and had uh, him as a um, as an ally. Uh, that was a dream come true for me. One of the greatest accomplishments I think in my career is that I got to work with you know all those guys. And of course. Before I worked with them, I, I broke in actually with Dickie V, you know, at uh, at ESPN in 1985. But that's that's the thing, uh, you know, basketball's, uh, you know, big four as analysts, uh, in my opinion, those those, you know, it's Vital without question at ESPN in those days. Raftery, who is still at it and mm-hmm. is pushing 80 himself, he'll be 80 in in April. Uh, you know, I worked with those guys before I worked with with uh, Billy and Al, and I worked with Billy a lot more than people think. Not just at CBS, but also 
uh, at Raycom and Jefferson Pilot. All right, so I want to get after. into that. I want to get into that with you. But take yeah, me to yeah. the first time that you worked with him, what you remember. Do you remember the game? What do you remember first time you're stepping in with Billy Packer to do a game? What do you remember about that? What do you recall? Uh, well, uh, it was actually on CBS. And it was 1998 in uh, the Olympics uh, on CBS were in Nagano. And uh, Jim Nance, who normally would work with Billy, and Vern Lundquist, who would normally work with Billy if Jim didn't, were over there covering the Olympics. Uh, Vern was doing figure skating, and uh, and Jim was doing pretty much everything else. Uh, McCarver, I think Tim McCarver actually hosted that, if memory serves me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, no, I think McCarver might have been 94. Jim was probably hosting. Jim was hosting in 98. McCarver did Lillehammer, I think, in 94. Anyway, uh, I'm going to work a game between I'm going to work a game between Illinois and uh, who was coming in to play then? Illinois at home in Champaign on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and I'm coming in to work with Billy and Bob Dekas, uh, the great producer, Emmy Award winning producer, uh, Bob Fishman, our great director, who, who just recent recently uh, retired from CBS. I think his last football season was last year and his last NCAA tournament was last year. They're working a game with Billy on that Saturday in Georgetown. And uh, I, I don't know who was working the game with him, whether it was uh, uh, Tim Ryan, might've been Gus Johnson. You know, Gus was at CBS at that time too. So it might've been Gus. Uh, but anyway, he's doing a game between Georgetown and uh somebody and i'm and i'm i'm getting ready to do uh illinois i think it was ohio state illinois ohio state big game on sunday i'm already there okay i'm and these guys are coming in with bad weather from dc from georgetown and i got to the arena early and um oh gosh i'm trying to think of uh oh yes ed hightower was the the, the great official I want to say he was a principal of a high school mm-hmm. or, uh, but but he was one of the great officials of that generation and Ed came up to me and he said Tim uh, do you know about what happened with Billy and I said no I was uh, I went to the practices yesterday uh, on Saturday at the, the and I, I talked to the coaches I, I got here early because I've not met with uh either my producer, my director, or, or Billy. I said, but I was told to get here early because they were getting here early. He said, well, it's in all the papers and it's all over the place. Billy had a moment mm-hmm. on the air where he made a reference of Allen Iverson is uh, that, that was unfortunate. And, uh, and I know it's, it's, it's been a rough 12 to 18 hours for him. And that was the, that little monkey moment that he made mention of Iverson describing the way he played. Well, that was a reference to days when he played in the fifties. And yes, he was also playing with uh, on the streets many times with, with African-American players. Mm-hmm. And that was a reference that was used quite a bit back in those days. Well, Billy was being vilified. The media was coming after him really, really hard. And uh, there was, a, I think, in the later stages of the game, uh, he made a uh, uh, reference to it and the, uh, that if he had offended anyone, blah, blah, blah. 
so I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, no, I mm-hmm. can't, you know, uh, here I am, I'm 42 years old. I'm about to get to work with the number one crew CBS has. Uh, this is a big moment for me. And they're, they're going through just all kinds of stuff. I can't even imagine uh, what it must be. So, and, you know, Ed, uh, being a black official, he felt for Billy because he knew Billy was anything but a racist. Mm-hmm. You know, no way could Billy Packer be. But he was getting hammered. And um, the one thing that did happen in that sequence that I think really helped Billy, and he told me this later on in life, uh, after we did the game together, long after we did the game, John Thompson, the the big guy, Georgetown's own, who coached Allen Iverson, was asked the question about Packer's use of that term in his postgame presser, and he jumped to Billy's defense. He he said, "Look, I I know him. I played when he played. Play. I know people that played against Billy. The my co- don't even go there. He was he was defiant." of those that were going to take shots at Billy for using that term. So that's something I always will take away that I'm getting to do my first game with Billy Packer on national television. And my goodness, this has all just happened. Well, when he got there, I wasn't going to bring it up. Clearly. I'm just, we're Mm -hmm. getting ready for a game. Let's talk about this matchup. And, uh, you know, Deke and, uh, and fish, who were the best at their uh, craft, all they did the entire game was uh, give Billy the business about, you know, let this kid do his job now. He's really, you know, he's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And they're busting his chops. He's busting their chops. They're taking, uh, you know, some shots uh, of me uh, saying, you know what, Uh, just handle this guy with him. He's a live wire. He could say anything at any time. You know, they're making light of it a little bit behind the scenes just to loosen me up because I was right. uptight. Right. I was thinking, you know, because I was worried, you know, about the psychology of the moment for them. And uh, after it was all over, they they uh, gave affirmation to me that I'd had a real good show with them, which made me feel awfully good. Um, I had not as yet, but would be assigned the NCAA tournament with the great Al McGuire. Uh, after that, so my career jettisoned a great deal that particular year. That was also the year that I began hosting the college football today on CBS. So it was a, a wonderful time uh, in my life and in my career. And at a time when I was um, more concerned about my own uh, uh, place in the CBS community, here they have this issue that happens that everybody's talking about. And the next day, not even 24 hours later, in his mind, in their mind, next, you know, they were moving on. We're going to the next game. Forget all that other stuff. It's noise. It's superfluous noise. It makes no, you know, I, I'll, I'm going to, and I said to Billy later about this, I said, you know, that was an, an uncomfortable situation for me. I'm just curious what was going He says, hey, Tim, he said, look, when you're in a situation like that, and this later came up in my career many times where I may have said something that many thought offended them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a little bit on a bigger level now, what we see with cancel culture, you know, how those of us in the media are sometimes afraid to say 
something a certain way. So we're apprehensive. What Billy said at that time, and this is like 20 years later. So I did the game in 98. So this is like 2008, his last year. Uh, no, 10 years later, his last year. Mm-hmm. And by this time, we've worked a lot of other games on Raycom and Jefferson Pilot and all that. A lot of Duke Carolina games. And I had a, a conversation with him and he said, he said, listen, you live your life and you're professional and you do a good job and you do a great job. You're going to make mistakes. People are going to take shots. The thing you got to understand is to bet on yourself and to know that those people that have been in your midst that know how you operate, they will have your back. You will get check marks. Okay. Now, if you've been a jerk, if you've mistreated people, if you've been lazy and you haven't done your job the way it needs to be done, there is no golden parachute. You know, have you ever noticed in our business, TJ, sometimes guys are, uh, and this is true for whether you're male or female, you're big and then you're not. You're there and then you're gone. And the reason for that is not the way you did your job on the air. It's the way you treated people on the way up off the air. So if you check those boxes in a positive light, you're going to have people come to your defense that you never imagined would come to your defense. Like a John Thompson. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that was at a time that was shortly after um, John and uh, had been criticized for his team being too physical, you know, and the Hoya paranoia and all that. Uh, Bill Raftery, who who never offended anybody, made a made a point about you know this has got to stop with John's team. He's got to control this, and and he and Billy did kind of get after it. He and Raft kind of got after it a little bit, but in the end, it was just Bill making his point and John understanding it over time. But in this case, John knew Billy Packer as a player. He knew him as a kid. Okay, when he was playing at Wake Forest for Bones McKinney. And John would have none of this, you know, conversation about, well, you know, you can't use that without being a racist, you know. And a lot of people in the media were trying to paint him as that. And uh, to me, that's the ultimate defense, right? Right from Rejection Row and Hoya Paranoia. When Big John said, shut up, Billy Packer is a good man, uh, that, that ended a lot of that. You are telling us some great stories. Give me one more on what it was like to work a Duke Carolina game with him. Had to be a professional thrill. And what was Mm. it like in between, you know, in in breaks at halftime? What are those moments? What do you reflect on working those with him? Because you got the chance to do it several times. Just uh, just how much to him uh, the the, the game, the, the, the history of the game mattered and to point out you know, a little bit like uh, my friend in football, Bino Cook, just because it happened before you were born doesn't make it any less significant, you know. And when, when he was talking about guys like Art Heyman and uh, Lenny Chapel, who played with him at Wake and some of the other greats that played at both Duke and North Carolina, I listened, I listened closely. And uh, the history of, of that series and uh, how close it always was made me – it was – the Duke North Carolina game in the regular season was the assignment. I mean, the assignment. One of the reasons I continued to work for for the syndicator for Ray Common Jefferson. I worked with the, the only three years I didn't work for them were the three years I lived in Bristol and I was staff at ESPN. Every other year, 
when I was at ESPN as a broadcaster calling games or at CBS or at Fox until 2019, I did ACC basketball with Billy until he stopped in 08. And then I picked up Dan Bonner and G-Man after that. But, But Billy was all about ball. And the more you talked ball, the game itself with him, uh, the more credibility uh, you had in his mind. And I know there were times because after that game in 98 that we worked together at CBS, and then after we worked the first time uh, with the ACC over at Raycom, he signed off on me. He would tell the guys, look, this guy knows his his stuff. He's great to work with. Uh, We're just – and I did feel like we were on automatic pilot in a sense – And it's the same way with all the great ones. It's this way, uh, TJ. When you're with a great analyst, you're just doing your job. It's almost like uh, a pilot at 30,000 feet when he puts it on cruise control. You don't have to worry about the guy next to you. You're just just doing what you do instinctively. And that guy's going to pick up on everything you say. And if he likes it, he'll take it to another level. You know, he will. And, uh, that was what it was like to work with Billy. And until that time that I did that game with him at Illinois, I had never done a game where anything that I wanted to talk about, the producer and director didn't already have in mind. Okay. I I wasn't having to give suggestions to anybody. A lot of times people, the the argument or the, the rap on me as a broadcaster was, uh, and this was because I cared a lot. I would just hit the talk back and I would tell the producer and director, Hey, I'm going to talk about this or that. If you can get a shot of, right. Mm -hmm. That was, that was what was recommended to me by the pros pros to do. Gowdy talked about it. Inberg talked about sometimes producers and directors would be annoyed uh, with a a broadcaster doing that. It's like, I can produce the game. You do your, you know, that kind of thing. Be like that kind of reaction Uh, with, with Billy before I could say something about where I wanted to go. He'd, he'd already brought the subject up. And so I'm just sort of following along and, and the producers already had the shot. So then I could just adjust whatever I uh, was going to say to, okay, they've got the shot. Uh, this was where I was going to go anyway. So it was, it was, uh, it was just a dream come true to be with people that were that good at what they did. And, and Billy is, is I think responsible for the kind of work ethic that we see from so many of the great uh, broadcasters of today. And I don't mean just analysts. I mean, I mean, play by play people too. Uh, there was a level of, uh, of, uh, of responsibility and accountability that you always felt you had when you were working with Billy to come in, having done your homework that you knew, you know, at least almost as much as he might know. Okay, for you to have a really good show, you needed that. Um, and and uh, he got the best out of me. He got the best out, I think, of just about everybody he worked with. Listen, you have been most gracious with your time, and this was fantastic stuff on the memory of Billy Packer. I, I said this earlier. I'm going to say it with you. We're not ever going to see this again. You, I hesitate often to use never, to use always, use things yeah. like that. You're not ever going to see somebody work 34 times in a row, the biggest event. Nobody's ever yeah. done it with a Super Bowl. 
Nobody's yeah. ever done it with a World Series. Nobody ever will yeah. do it. Nobody ever will do it again with a Final Four. Um, that's I, that's yeah. Billy Packer's legacy right yeah. there of how long he was associated and, with one of the great events. And my buddy Jim Nance, who ironically stepped aside from the NCAA tournament after this year, Iron Eagles is going to move into that position mm-hmm. uh, next year. You know, he took over for Brent in 91. And uh, that's as a, as a play-by-play man to hold that position all mm-hmm. the way through 2023 is incredible. And it says a lot about Jim that he was able to do that. And I know uh, Nance well enough to tell you that he would credit Billy for, you know, giving him, uh, you know, the, the foundation, okay, of, of knowledge and credibility to, to last that long and, and that long after Billy was gone. And um, so you're right. Um, people talk about long and enduring careers. And, and uh, I'm sort of an, uh, yeah, I'm sort of the new old guy in our business now, but, <laughs> but I had to work at four different networks to stay this long, sure. you know, let alone, let alone get to do the same events that long. And, but that run of getting to do Duke Carolina every year for well over 20 years is something I, I cherish and value, but, but more than anything else, um, just coming into contact with the people that I idolized as a child, the, the guys that I dreamed of, 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 of working alongside and to see that dream fulfilled uh, is something that I'll always treasure. And um, Billy and Al and Raft and, and Dickie V, uh, all different people, all different styles, but, um, you know, as I said, the big four of, of really television analysts for basketball, you know, I mean, there are some great ones coming up now at, at ESPN, you know, at ESPN, uh, Billis and uh, Franny and, and uh, those guys do a, a great job there. They do at our place. We've got outstanding analysts, start, you know, after Raph, Jimmy Jackson, Donnie Marsh, all these guys that have the, the, these burgeoning careers. I think they can all, even if they never cut me, came, came in contact with Billy, uh, they need to thank Billy because without him, you know, the sport itself, would might not have uh, morphed into the popular sport that it became. So a uh, Goliath for mentioning that. No yeah. doubt. A Goliath uh, sport that it is. And Billy Packer was a big part of that and synonymous with the NCAA tournament and all of those moments. Tim Brando, thank you. A treat, yeah. a treat yeah. to have you with me to remember Billy Packer. You bet. Thank you, TJ. Anything. And uh, God bless Billy's family, particularly Brant uh, and Mark. Mark's on the air, you know, at the ACC Network. And and Brant has been a longtime uh, producer at NBC of Golf. Uh, I feel for them today. I know how crushed they are because Billy meant so much to them. Uh, they were in contact with him daily. And um, he was a guy that you could call. I, I called him many, many times for advice. Um and Barb, his wife, God bless her, and I know she's happy to have him in heaven too. But uh, she would always track him down and uh, and get him to come onto the phone. So um, a lot of a lot of memories with the Packer family, and and condolences and heartfelt loss on this day. Again, Tim Brando now with Fox Sports, but many years obviously with CBS Sports, and having worked with Billy Packer not only there but on the ACC 
uh, network coverage, uh, Raycom, Jefferson Pilot, like we were talking about earlier. Many thanks also to Phil DeMont Mullen with the Announcer Schedules podcast, he and Mike Gill, and the great job they do. Announcer Skeds is the Twitter handle that Phil uh, created and has so many different announcers that are engaging with him on that. Uh, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this, to reminisce about 82-year-old Billy Packer passing away. Again, Jim Nance, I, I just contemplated this and talking about it with Tim. Jim Nance, when he works the Final Four in Houston, will have worked the Final Four uh, in that instance for 33 consecutive years, which is what, um, one one away from what Packer worked. And as Phil DeMont Mullen said, fifty year, right at 50 years, 48 years of either Packer and or Nance being in college basketball's holy grail biggest games. And just thinking about it again, John Wooden's final game, Al McGuire's final game, Bird and Magic all at NBC uh, for all of that. The night of the of the Reagan assassination attempt, he's working the national title game, which is NBC's final title game and final four. Michael Jordan winning shot is the first CBS final four, working it with Gary Bender. Lorenzo Charles on the dunk for NC State against Five Slamma Jammas the next year. Villanova Shocker of Georgetown. All of these are Billy Packer working the final four with different announcers. Villanova Georgetown 85. Keith Smart winning shot at 87. Uh, just one after another. Duke upset of, of, of unbeaten UNLV was 91 and on and on and on all the way through. Yes, Kansas breaking my heart with the Memphis Tigers with the Mario Chalmers shot in the overtime win in the Alamo Dome. That's the last one that he did in 2008 with Nance and with CBS. So the career and the legacy of Billy, pa uh, Billy Packer will continue to be uh, written about and talked about. We gave you a bunch of words here on this special podcast as part of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed. Again, for Phil DeMont Mullen and for Tim Brando, I'm merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.